Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Last week, uh, I told you I ended with a story of, of a friend of mine wanted to work with us in the field force. I was a prison guard down in Texas or a correctional officer is a fancier way of putting it, kind of like a sanitation engineer, right? But anyway, everybody wanted to work in the field force because it was horseback. You got to wear leggings and spurs and you just look cool, right? And so he wanted to become a cowboy because he thought if he was a cowboy and he knew how to ride and everything, it would give him a better shot of getting on the field force. So he asked me if I'd show him the ropes, basically. And I said, yeah. So we went out one day and checked on some cattle and long trotted for about five hours. And for the next five days, uh, you know, he walked around like somebody beat him with a fence post because, you know, when you're not used to riding, that happens. Well, about a week later, he came up to me and his limp was gone and he was standing up a little straighter. And he said, Hey man, I'm all in. I said, well, that's good. That's good. He goes, you ought to drop by the house and see my new saddle I bought and my new two-year-old Colt. I was like, Oh my gosh. He said, well, I just thought I'd buy a young horse so we could learn together. It doesn't work like that. If you're, if you're not, if you're new to riding, don't buy a horse. If you've never ridden, don't buy a horse that's never been ridden. Okay. Some of us have been riding our whole lives. Don't like to do that. Don't you do it. It's good grief. So anyway, he asked me, he said, well, Hey, will you, uh, will you come out and, and help me put the first ride on this colt? I was like, I will help you put the first ride on your colt, but I'm not doing it. He goes, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, well, you're going to learn together, remember? And so anyway, he, you know, kind of a look of horror came over his face. But I said, okay, this week, and and I'm not going to go into it with y'all, but, you know, I said, this week I want you to, and the the horse was already halter broke. You could put a halter on. I said, get used to the horse putting a saddle on. Start with a blanket and you know, do that stuff. And I'm not going to go into everything I told him, but anyway, he came back about a week. I don't know. It might've been a little more than that. And he goes, okay, man, you can throw a saddle up on him and cinch him up good. And he, you know, he stands there pretty well. And I was like, all right, then let's go see if we can put the first ride and we'll just kind of take it slow. And sure enough, man, whenever I got out there, the kid for not knowing anything had done a good job. I mean, you could, you could walk up there and he might tense up a little bit, but you he threw the saddle on. I was like, all right, take it, everything off. So we did that four or five times and, and we did all of this stuff. And I, and I mean, I was seriously, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of them and I was like, man, I think you've done a good job. I think you're ready. He's like, okay, what do I do? And I said, well, just, you know, start off by just standing in the stirrup. And so we did that a couple of times. Horse just stood there, man, just swishing his, t- you know, just not swishing his tail, but you know, easy as it goes. And I'm like, man, this kid might've got a good horse, you know? And so anyway, I was like, all right, you know, we did that a couple of times and I was like, jump up and down next to him and all of this stuff. Finally, I was like, all right, it's time to throw a leg over. He goes, what do I do then? And I said, just try to relax. Don't try to do too much. You're just going to be sitting on him. So he did that horse just stood there. And I said, now this is the, you think getting on a horse for the first time is hard. It's the getting off that always scared me. And so, you know, you have to understand that they've got kind of two different brains, a left brain and a right brain, and things have to switch and it can be pretty intimidating for a young horse. And so anyway, he stepped off, horse just stood there. 
I was like, man, this is, I, I was kind of wanting a, something a little rougher than that, you know, because he's going to be thinking, oh, I'm a cowboy. I can start any horse now, you know. So anyway, he got up there and he got on and I said, okay, you just sit there. Let me move him. You don't pull on him. I will control the starting and stopping and the speed. I didn't say to the best of my ability out loud, but I, you know, that's what I meant. So anyway, he got up there and he sat down and I kind of smooched the horse because we'd been jipping it around and stuff like that. And that horse kind of walked off and, you know, trying to find his weight and everything. And then he kind of sped up just a little slow trot and you could see that guy tense up. And I was like, don't tense up, don't tense up. And I mean, he jerked back on that, on that halter and that horse basically just piled him up in the middle of that deal. And I laugh now because you cowboys, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, the horse is, and then whenever he hit the ground, he did the same thing and just laid there as the horse kind of bucks around and I got him stopped and I was petting all over him and everything. That kid just kind of laid there and he got up, his eyes were all wide. I was like, you okay? I think so. I think so. I was like, all right, come on. We got to do it again. He said, okay. He walked over there and he starts undoing the saddle. I said, you don't have to undo it. He never listened to me. He took the saddle off and he said, I'm done. (laughs) He said, this ain't for me. I'm not doing it anymore. You know, now before you go to judging him, I'd like to say that if you have never experienced that, and never wanted to do that, you hadn't done very much because I guarantee you every stinking cowboy on the planet has wanted to do that exact same thing. I'm done with this. I ain't doing it no more. I'm done. So he sold his saddle, sold his horse at a drastically, the last part of his cowboy experience was true. He spent about $3,000 on everything and sold everything for 800. That's the way we do things. Last week, we talked about suffering, and I, and I said that everybody suffers. It doesn't matter if you follow Christ or you don't follow Christ. Everybody's going to have sickness, death, problems with finances or jobs or relationships or addictions. I mean, everybody suffers. Every single one of you in this room has suffered through something. You may be suffering through something right now, but you know, the suffering that the Bible talks about is different than the common suffering of life. When the Bible talks about suffering, it's talking about suffering for Christ. In other words, the hardships that come from following Christ, of doing the right thing and everything that goes along with it. See, you don't get credit for suffering because there's many Bible verses that say, when you suffer, God will, you know, help you and everything like that. But he's talking about the suffering that happens from following Christ, not because you've made a poor decision and now you're suffering the consequences of it. Okay. You go buy stuff that you can't afford and everything. And then you go bankrupt. You are not suffering for Christ. That was stupid. Okay. So whenever the Bible talks about suffering, it's talking about suffering for the sake of the gospel. In Romans chapter five, three through five, The Apostle Paul tells us this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. They're talking about suffering. When you run into trials 
and tribulations and problems, that's what he's talking about is suffering. But for we know that they help us develop endurance, develop endurance. And that's what we're going to talk about today is when you do the right thing and you start suffering for it, man, if you quit, you you don't get the promises of God by quitting. But if you can keep going, then all of a sudden, true things start to happen, but it's not easy. Ty talked a little bit about our trip to Guatemala and, uh, my part, whenever I went down there, Dwight was working on the fence and there was a family, a husband and wife, and they had nine kids. And we went out there and George and Vonda and Cecilia and Gabe and Sam and, and all of them with ordinary missionaries were going to be buying the materials in order to add another room onto their one and a half bedroom house. We were going to be taking the old kitchen out. And when I say the old kitchen, two walls were dug into the side of a mountain. And so basically it only had one wall, one cinder block wall. It had a concrete stove, if you will, which is just a glorified open top barbecue pit. And it had old tin that, you know, had holes in it and it had an electrical line with it. You had to duck underneath and it had bare spots in the electrical line. I like to faint it whenever I finally realized that I was hitting my hat on a bare electrical line every time I went under it because the smoke had blackened everything and you couldn't tell. And Rolando took an old, basically like a Walmart sack and he tore a big piece of it off and he sat there and he rolled it up like duct tape over this bare spot and then tied a double knot in it to keep it from shocking anybody. We didn't run down to Home Depot and buy electrical tape. So anyway, we, uh, we went to the material. You couldn't get to the house with a pickup. So they said, we have to bring the material from the road to the house. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it sounds hard, but I mean, how, how far can it be? Right. I was not informed that it would be down the mountain and up the other side of the mountain. Cause that's why you couldn't get to the house. I mean, it was a five to seven minute hike down a mountain, cross a stream and back up. I mean, for, for all of y'all here, let me kind of tell you about the grade and everything. It's like starting at the top of castle rock and walking down it and back up it. That's about what it is. And so anyway, it was probably the hardest day I have ever had in my entire life. I am not joking. And I thought that I had done some difficult things in my life, (laughs) but they were cakewalks compared to this day. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to make y'all feel sorry for me. I am not trying to draw attention to myself. This is an illustration of what God taught me that day. I truly knew what it meant to suffer because I got nothing out of that day. You know, I I was helping another family. It's during these hard days that I think that you learn the most from God. It's kind of like you have to be in the right frame of mind in order to seem and hear him. Today, we're going to talk about four ways to develop endurance through suffering or while you are suffering. And, and, And if you don't do these four things then then you'll end up quitting and and you, and you get nothing out of the suffering 
you just got to suffer. And that's what a lot of people do. The first thing I learned that day is that you have to learn to rest, not quit. You got to learn to rest, not quit. Most people reach the end and they decide to quit instead of just rest and keep going. Whenever we, uh, when we made our first trek over there to get the material, whenever I came up this hill and I looked at the material, <laughs> I like to cried. There are, there is a pile of wet sand that would have fit on half this stage about this high. There are about 16 100 pound bags of cement. I'm not talking about your little sackcrete that you put in a post, okay? I'm talking about a hundred pound bag of cement. And we get over there and Rolando said, you know, basically says, here, I'll lift this up for you. And so Rolando is about this big and weighs like 130 pounds, right? I was a giant down there. And so he lifts this concrete up and, you know, I've been working out next month will be a year. And so I thought, you know, pretty stout fella. And so I pick up this and I just throw it on my shoulder like it's a sack of feed and I just take off. I'm like, shoot, this is going to be hard, but I can do it. Even though I was going, you know, you, when you started with the material, you went downhill first. And if you think going downhill is easier, come try it. It's not, especially when you're having to step over roots and, you know, you got wild banana tree fronds or whatever you call them hitting you in the face. And so I'm walking and I, I get down to the bottom and I know the hard part is still coming up because I got to go uphill now. And I'm seriously, like, <laughs> you know, I'm walking and everything. And, and I, I kind of went first so that I could stop and rest in case I needed to. And there was about a 30 yard stretch of semi flat ground. Um, and that's where I had to take my first rest. I hadn't even done the hard part yet and I am wore out and I know how much stuff we have to move and I've made half a trip and I am exhausted. You know, we've got to learn to rest, not quit. There is no shame in taking a breather, okay? There's no shame in taking a breather. As a matter of fact, let me give you a biblical example of that. It's called the Sabbath day, okay? It's called the Sabbath day. Even God rested on the seventh day. God created everything. He didn't just haul one bag of cement down a mountain. He created the mountain. He created the universe. He created all the galaxies. He created everything. And after he was done, he rested. And you know, me, I'm kind of of the mind that God didn't rest on the seventh day because he needed to, but because he knew that we would need to, we would need to. We live in a society that, that prides itself on hard work. Oh, I work hard every single day. We go 100 miles per hour all the time. But often that doesn't lead to productivity. It leads to failure. I mean, you just get so worn out that you don't rest. People end up quitting. All the time, we just, we have unfinished stuff that we know we should do, but we've worn ourselves out so much because we didn't stop and take a breather that it, the result of it isn't a renewed energy. We just quit and we, we try to find something easier that we can do. We, you know, we quit everything that we're doing. 
Even in our rest, we work. I'm horrible about that. I'll work all week long. And then whenever I know I need to rest, I'll go out and do something that everybody else would consider work. But I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I can't, I can't actually rest. I need to go out and, and do something that, you know, clear my mind or something. And I'm not criticizing anybody. We've all done it. But when God says to rest, he means to rest. Take that breather so that you'll be ready to go the next day instead of just working your tails off so much that you end up quitting. If you want to learn to develop an endurance, if you want to have the uncommon sense in order to keep going in your Christian life, man, we need to observe the Sabbath. And that means resting. That doesn't mean going out and doing something that's not part of your job in order, you know, we shouldn't use Sunday as a catch-up day, not the ketchup you put on fries, but you know what I mean. We shouldn't use Sunday as a catch-up day. We should devote that day to God of resting in his promises. But yet, not, I mean, I know a lot of you, and, I, and, I, and I'm, not making any, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody, but I know most of you have plans this afternoon. And very few of you might have plans to just rest. You've got stuff that you got to get done. You got to get done. Well, if you, it's never done, is it? It's never done. So why not take a break so that you can do it better? Because a well-rested man can outwork in 10 hours what a man that's exhausted will do in 18. Learn to rest. If you're going to keep going, man, you've got to follow the biblical example of learning how to rest. The second thing that you have to know in order to develop endurance through suffering is that you were never, ever, ever meant to do it alone, okay? If you look at the live stream deal or if you go back to Facebook and you see where I posted this, there is a picture of me in a pair of blue jeans, a blue baseball cap. I've got my sunglasses on and I'm in a maroon Dr. Pepper shirt and you see me with this 100-pound bag of cement right here because I made it about 50 yards from the top, and I was done. And I, w- I, I wasn't going to quit, but down halfway, whenever I stopped for a breather, I held the bag still, and I you know, took a couple of deep breaths and everything, and that's when everybody passed me. <laughs> and so when they passed me, I was like, come on, man, you got to do it. And so anyway, I, I followed them up this trail, and I made it 50 yards from the top. And, and the, as you're going uphill, um, half of the way was, uh, was pretty steep, but the second half of the journey, I called it the man maker because I mean, it was, it was steep. And the last five yards was basically nearly a ladder. And about 50 yards from the top, I, I couldn't go anymore. And so not that I was going to quit, but I needed to get that off of my shoulder so that I could take some deep breaths. And, and, I, and I set this thing down. And right as I was setting it down, Rolando was already coming back down. And I didn't see him because I'm like... And so anyway, he, he took a picture of me as I'm setting this bag down and he walked down to me and, uh, he, he asked me, he's like, are you okay? You know, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway, I'm breathing hard and everything. And, and he reaches up and he like 
does my muscle, right? Like you should be strong. And I said, I told him in Spanish, I got the muscles. I don't have the heart and lungs. <laughs> and he laughed and he said, ah, está bueno, está bueno. And so I'm sitting there and I'm catching my breath. And before I know it, this little 130 pound dude goes, whoop, puts it on his back and marches right up the hill after he'd carried his. I'm like, oh my gosh, what? This dude is not human. And so anyway, I have, you know, there's all these workers up there and they're doing all of this stuff. And I have to walk behind Rolando as he carries my cement up there. The walk, I, I should have just had like a cone of shame, right? So we got up there and everything and nobody, nobody made fun of me that I could understand. But you know, God even sent another man to help Jesus carry the cross, didn't he? When Jesus just couldn't physically go, he needed a breather. God sent another man to help him carry the cross. God will send help in order that you can finish what he has called you to do, not to finish for you. Because Jesus' work on the cross wasn't finished when he got up the hill. His work had basically just started. But God knew that he needed just a little bit of a break so that Jesus could finish his work. And a lot of times God will, or not a lot of times, if you reach that point, if there's no help, that means you keep going. But when you, when you have just, you've spent it all, God will send somebody down to carry your burden up that last 50 yards. Not so that your job can be done, not so that somebody can finish for you, but just to give you a temporary breather so that you can finish. See, what I didn't tell you is that before I carried that 100 pound sack of concrete down one mountain and up another, you know that concrete stove I was telling you about? It had rebar all the way through it. It was well, well built. It was the only well built thing at this house, but you know, most important to cook the food, right? I had swung a sledgehammer for about an hour and a half breaking this concrete stove up. So by the time I started, I'm already tired. So a lot of you is like, oh man, you couldn't even make one trip. Go swing a sledgehammer for an hour and a half. We hauled the concrete as we would break the concrete off. We had like this plastic sack, kind of like a toe sack that we would put all of the concrete on. We would pick it up. That was our wheelbarrow. And we'd walk from about here to that speaker and chunk it over into a pile and go back, swing the sledgehammer some more. And it was about this long because it kept breaking. Mas suerte, right? We all need help from time to time. If you don't need help, then look for somebody to help. Because you just might be that person that has more stamina, that's had more endurance, that has been through this situation many times before. It's not a sign of weakness that you give out. It's a sign that you still have some growing to do. And there's those of us that have done the growing, that have the stamina, that have the endurance, that know what you're going through. And it's our obligation every once in a while that when somebody has reached their limit to say, you know what, let me pick up that. And I'll take it the rest of the way up there so you can catch a breather and then so you can keep going. If you want to develop endurance through suffering, you've got to learn to rest, not quit. But you've also got to understand that although we have, the Bible says that we should uh, share each other's burdens but carry our own load. That's a great example of that. 
I mean, they didn't, I didn't just walk with them while they carried my share the whole time. I carried it until I absolutely gave out. And then God sent an angel named Rolando to help me finish. On the first trip, we went back and I was praying. I cannot tell y'all, I have never prayed like that in my life. I'm sure somebody through my gasping breaths. I mean, I was winded whenever I got there the first time, just from hiking it, right? And I'm praying the whole time. But when I had first picked up the bag of cement, I thought I could manhandle it and just rely on my strength in order to get the job done. But what I had noticed on the second trip is that Rolando didn't put it on his shoulder. He put it on his back. And, you know, it was kind of from, it kind of started at the middle of his head and went all the way down and he kind of held it like this and he bent over and I thought, oh, that'll kill my back. Well, those people knew how to work. I had gotten worn out, not because of just the weight, but because of the way that I was carrying it. It's not the weight of suffering that causes us problems. It's the way we carry it. Trying to carry the weight on my right shoulder was the problem. I mean, I had a buddy of mine, uh, Taylor Etheridge, we were talking about something. And have you ever tried to carry a five gallon bucket of water? You want to know how to make that easier? Put two and a half gallons in two buckets because you're balanced. It's easier to carry two buckets of water than one bucket of water because you're like this. And, you know, all of your energy is, is expended in trying to not only carry it, but to stay upright and not to mention stepping over roots and around, you know, vines and pushing uh, banana trees out of the way and trying to find the little goat trail that you're supposed to take that, you know, there's 40 of them going in different directions. Trying to carry the weight on my right shoulder was the problem. Half my strength was devoted to keeping my balance over everything. Well, you know, a lot of times our suffering, we can carry the weight of our suffering, but the way we carry it is what causes us the problems, not the weight of it. And what do I mean by that? You know what throws us off balance is worry, blame, pride, anger, fear, hopelessness. All of these things is like putting that 100-pound bag of cement on your right shoulder. God has given us the strength to endure these things, but when we try to carry that, it sets us off balance. And and we can't get very far that way. We got to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And our own understanding is to sit there and do all of those other things. Blame others, worry about stuff, get mad, be scared. You know, all of this stuff is what unbalances us. If we will just trust in the Lord with all of your heart, put that weight right over the center of you and don't worry about anything that's gonna unbalance you and you'll be amazed at what you're able to do. If I would have just started that way and learned from somebody else that knew what they were doing instead of me and my pride and my big muscles just trying to manhandle everything, that got me in a wreck faster than anything. When I got up there the second time, Rolando showed me the correct way to do it and I never had to stop again. Now, whenever I got to the top, I nearly died, you know, but I mean, I I never had to stop for a breather, not one time. Speaking of that, after the cement was done, man, I'm getting winded just thinking about it. So you you take this sack, the same one that we were using to haul the concrete like a wheelbarrow, and we would stack six bricks 
flat. And when I'm saying bricks, I'm not talking about the bricks you use, like paving stone bricks that are this big. I'm talking about clay fired bricks that are this big. We would put six flat on top of each other and then put four on their sides. You'd twist the end, put it up on your shoulders and everything would kind of lay around your shoulders and we would start walking. Well, I got to where I could do the downhill, you know, as easy as it can be. But man, starting up that incline, even now the bricks didn't weigh a hundred pounds. They were probably, oh, somewhere between 45 and 60, probably something like that. And man, when I, when I reached that man maker spot, I remember I'd always look up and I'd just say just a little bit further. And it's like every step I took, the destination moved two steps beyond. I'm like, how is this possible? And so it took me several trips because I started watching these other people. They never looked up. They looked straight down at the ground. They made sure right where they were going to put their foot that they would have good footing. Because I mean, when you stumble with that, because you're looking at something else, man, you just zap 20% of your strength doing that. And so what I learned to do is quit looking at the destination and just go one more step, one more step. I I didn't think about how far I had to go because all I had to go was this far, this far. And, And that's what I did. I was like, just one more step. And I'd take that step and I was like, that was good. Just one more step. And I would seriously, y'all think I'm joking, but I bet I said that 1000 times that day on that man maker part, just one more step. And there was several times that I would say one more step and I was already at the top. It was like, instead of it lengthening twice of what it should be when I just took one step at a time, I was done before I knew it. We need to learn to focus on the process not the results. We, we, you know, we're, we're always looking for the end in sight. Well, you know, I don't know that there necessarily is an end in sight because maybe we don't even know where the end is. But if we can just know where that next step is, just take that. Quit worrying about how far, or how close or how hard. Just worry about the next step. And when you get that step down, worry about the next step. I made four or five, I honestly, you know, in my delirium, I, I, I wasn't counting. I made four or five round trips, one step at a time. Godly endurance starts when we go beyond the moment that we don't think that we have a single thing left. That's where your endurance starts. You don't develop endurance of, of doing things as much as you can. You only develop endurance when you go beyond what you think is possible. That's just the very bare bones beginning of endurance. It's often said that our mind is so powerful that when our mind tells us, look, you are done. There's no way you can go any further. That it's kind of a survival mechanism that you've only expended about 40% of your true potential. That you have 60% left. You have 60% left. I was reading a book one time that said um, you, you run the first half of a marathon with your legs and you ran, you run the second half of the marathon with your mind. And it's one step at a time. If you want to develop godly endurance, it starts by going beyond what you think you are capable of. When everything inside of you is screaming, I cannot do this. It's that next step that starts the endurance process. Learn to rest, not quit. God will send you help. Not so that somebody else can finish your job so that you can take a breather 
so that you can finish what God has called you to do. You can't carry the load like you want to. You got to carry it the way God tells you to. And the things that will throw us off balance are worry and fear and blame and getting mad and being scared and all of this stuff. And take it one step at a time. Trust the process, not the results. When you, when you learn just to focus on one step at a time, you'll be amazed at how quickly the finish line comes up. But if all you're focused on is the finish line, it just gets further and further and further away. So George picked us up about 1.15 to go get lunch. When I got back to the academy, I, I come walking in. And Ty looks at me and he goes, what happened to you? I mean, I was, I was spent. I said, dude, I've never worked that hard in my entire life. Um, I was, I was completely exhausted. And so I was telling Dwight and Ty of, of everything we'd done. And, and they were just like, you're kidding me. I was like, no, dude. I said, I am spent, but I was grateful because, you know, it rains a lot in Guatemala and it was a 75% chance of rain in these big rain clouds. And I mean, it would have been just treacherous. It would have been dangerous because it had rained the day before and it was still pretty slippery. I mean, you had to really watch your step. George has a video of me going down this. When I say concrete steps, it's more of just like a slab of concrete with grooves caught in it. He's got a picture of me going to the house down this long set of stairs and I slide most of the way. That's how wet it was. And it had rained 12 hours before. So if it started raining, there's just no way that we could have made that trip carrying stuff. So I was grateful for the 75% chance of rain because we wouldn't have to go back and do it that day. And so after, you know, we ate lunch and I had like 72 cups of water in a cup this big there at the academy. And I was so looking forward to a shower and, you know, just hopefully relaxing. And I don't even mean not doing anything, but, you know, maybe we would go see some people or something like that. But then we were sitting there and we finished up, man. And I had the biggest smile on my face of of what I had accomplished and uh, looking forward to that shower. Everything was good. And George, uh, then George told me what I was going to be doing that afternoon. I'm dead serious. I wish I would have had a picture because my eyes widened in absolute horror at what he told me I was going to do. And I remember at that moment, I had a choice to make. And I had about a 45 minute conversation with myself in a time compressed decision-making process of about two seconds. When he told me that I was like, and this long conversation happens in my mind. And I decided to just go with it. So I grinned at him and I said, let's do it. I thought that morning was the hardest thing that I had ever done. I was sorely, literally sorely mistaken. Come back next week and I'll tell you what we did. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for allowing me to suffer and learn what endurance really means. God, through you, you're capable of a hundred times more than we could ever accomplish on our own. Thank you for being there with me that day. And I thank you for being with everyone else here today as they learn to endure through suffering for the sake of the cross. May they be brave, strong, and humble, giving themselves totally over to others and especially to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.